Thank you all for your support of the Wise Fool Patreon account. If you've not become part of our network, by becoming a supporter, you receive the opportunity to help in the choosing of upcoming guests, cities that I should visit, and also you can give me questions that you would like me to ask future guests. You can find us and support us at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the wise fool, all one word. If you enjoy the podcast, I would appreciate a five-star rating, and please tell your friends to listen and subscribe also. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of my many weaknesses that has become glaringly obvious to me through my insights from my guests is that my lack of professionalism in the business practices when it comes to my personal artwork. So I've become putting my work on sale on SachiArt.com. You can find my artwork available for purchase at SachiArt, S-A-A-T-C-H-I-A-R-T.com slash Matthew Doles, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-D-O-L-S. Thank you. I'm from America. I've lived in the Middle East. I now live in Europe. I'm an artist. I'm a professor, all this kind of stuff. And, what, and, and being in academia for almost two decades and then coming into the European market and suddenly going, hey, I'm, I, want, I'm, I think this is a good time for me to sort of focus on my arts. I realized very quickly that I have no idea how the contemporary art market works. I believe that the people that are practitioners know better. <laughs> Like, and I don't believe anybody knows everything for sure, but I believe everybody has like a thing that they know. May I ask a question? Why is the market interesting to you? Because usually as a practitioner in a sense of like producing art, like it's not necessarily the first question that an artist poses about the market. Okay. And that, well, you're getting a little uh, pedantic with me, but it's my own fault. It's my, my English isms. I... <laughs> I use the word market, industry, art world interchangeably. Okay. Like to me, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people very much differentiate art market from art industry, from art world, and they're completely different things. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it of interest to me? Um, partly because I'm a professor and I do teach young artists how to come into the industry. And I realized that I was taught by my professor, so I was basically taught how it was done 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's absolutely not done that way now. Mm-hmm. Like it's completely changed in many ways. I mean, there are a few things that are the same, you know, uh, relationships and things like this. There are still mm-hmm. the same, but there are things that have definitely changed, especially like globalism, the internet, social media, all these kinds of elements that, that have become parts, art fairs have mm-hmm. become a huge part that were barely even in existence you know, when mm-hmm. I was starting out. So I'm just trying to get, the idea is, is that not that uh, any one person has everything. It's the idea that I'm gonna, I talk to many, many different people. Like I've been in here in Vienna and I've spoken to 16 different people in the past five days. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody from museum curators to artists to uh, curators to gallery owners, you know, the full range mm-hmm. is best. Like I even spoke to a copyright company <laughs> you know, about intellectual property and copyright yeah. laws yeah. and things like yeah. this. But, I mean, but anything that 
somebody who wants to enter the creative industries sort of might need to have some knowledge of. Mm. So I came to you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's very difficult to, to give like, because it's, it's, it's often asked and often talked about. And we just recently also had like a little talk with the lady from the Financial Times uh, who was speaking about the art market. And in that sense, when you ask me about the art market, I think of those things. So I think of um, auction house results, like usually because these are the, the, the numbers I think about numbers. I don't think so much about like the processes of how the market really works because I think that's really difficult to say. And it's as it is such an unregulated thing. Like, and then talking about what level. Like we are like such a small young gallery. We're not even like mid-sized. So like all these players like act on different levels at the same time. And um, I mean, maybe we should talk about something more specific about the market than like. I didn't well, we well we can get mm -hmm. we can go back even a little bit less than that. So like, let's start with something I usually ask, which is, could you please pronounce your name correctly for me? <laughs> My name is Magdalena Zella. I'm uh, from Northern Italy, so like it's uh, it's a uh, German-speaking part of Italy. We were part of Austria until 1920, and then got annexed by the fascists. Uh, Not you personally, but like the region. No, I okay. wasn't born in 1920 okay. yet. No. And one of the questions I always wonder about, about people in general that come into the creative fields is sort of how did you even get here? So like, were your parents creative? Did you have some teachers? How, like, how did you even enter into and go like, hey, this really difficult, you know, nondescript, like, very mm. difficult life. I'm going to set myself up for that. I would say like my family, my mom and my mom, my father both had like an interest in the arts, but um, not in a collecting sense. So like, so I come from this very small town nestled in the Alps. So like it's, it's 30,000 people, so it doesn't have like major museums or things like that. And they were both very young when I was born, so 20. So once my father reached his 30s, he started also collecting a little bit. But at the time, I was like, let's say, yeah, marginally interested because I was more interested in the trips that he was doing, like going to New York or going to Paris or these kind of things. And, As we and, all would be. Yeah. And uh, I originally started um, studying architecture. And um, through that, actually came uh, to the art world because we decided to curate little art shows um, in venues that we had access to through our architectural uh, work. So that this was usually derelict places that they were waiting to be changed or like uh, waiting for, yeah and, and and so the, the conditions were always different and always just for a very short amount of time so usually a weekend or I think the longest that, uh, exhibition we had was like for two weeks and it was a very like um, collaborative endeavor because uh, the spaces were in such bad shape mostly how long ago was this this so is like 2013 okay. and so the idea of like approaching an artist to say okay bring your artwork and but they always had to help with everything so it was kind of like a beginning of like also getting to know each other the whole process of setting up a show what it all means and um, later on I started working for a, a gallery a German gallery that opened up shop here in 2015 and got like more experience like on the from the professional level and then in 2017 we opened uh, Zeller von Amsig we is my partner Cornelis van Amsig and I yeah and so we're here since 2017 and the whole 
um, let's say motivator also to open a gallery was really to represent a young roster of young Austrian artists, so people who not necessarily by citizenship but had studied here or lived here, and but of a younger generation because in the past 20 years there was not so much um, like visibility for that or for a younger generation in general because besides Emanuel Leyer and Andreas Huber who closed down again like there was no between the let's say more established older galleries there was no new ones coming up so we really felt that was missing in the city and um, that's the program is still like revolving around that so like it's uh, the youngest which is on, on view right now Sophie Gogo she's born in 92 so yeah I don't know how old, <laughs> but so it's 20, 27 27 yeah, yeah okay. 27 yeah yeah, that's just a baby to me. Like, and she, she's the youngest, who also the only one who has a baby. So like uh, the younger ones seem to be having more uh, courage, I would say, I don't know, like to approach that topic early on and sure. not wait until their 40s to... So you just so you worked at one gallery and then you just said, hey, you know what, I can do this myself. Yeah, basically, very, pretty much, yeah. Okay. How have you found the process of participating in this industry? rewarding easy difficult no, I so, think because how? it's relying so much on your own abilities to connect with a certain type of people meaning it's the same as with like with the artists and collectors or curators because it's always based on such a personal like liking so it you cannot really fake it like it's something that it, there needs to be a certain degree of sympathy in order to be able to work together in the first place. And then uh, therefore, I think sometimes maybe diplomacy can be a little bit more tricky to understand, but the navi navigating through it is, I would say, rewarding in the sense because it's so relying on your own like person and charisma or whatever it is, so that it, it, it ties back into who you are. So like, therefore, I didn't... I don't find it particularly difficult. Okay. You must have some good charisma then. <laughs> Probably. Because I, I know I know lots of artists and practitioners that in whatever way, shape, or form that like like they may own a gallery, but they're really not a good salesperson. Mm. So they like they really have to mm -hmm. employ somebody else to mm. be that sort of go between. Yeah, I, I enjoy that diversity though, like that it's so um because a lot of times even my family they don't understand what I'm doing like if they ask me what do you do in like and I ask them I said what do you think I'm doing all day and they're like yeah you sit in front of the computer and then you 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 search for artists and then you call them up and ask them if they want to do a show no like so the, the the gallery work I think even for people who are a little bit acquainted with the field they're not necessarily so aware that that what's visible the show is like a smaller part of what we do like it's the major things are the things that you don't see. Just to so be clear, much. in mm -hmm. case you didn't know, the name of this podcast is called The Wise Fool. Okay, so I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I have worked in galleries. I've worked in museums. Yeah. So what is it that you do all day? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Um, so going back to let's what you... like, Or what I think my job uh, description is, is that I act as a sort of agent for my, for my, uh, artists. So, well, that's, um, but, the, but that's actually a term in the industry, mm -hmm. the art, a artist agent. Mm -hmm. So like, so are you more of an agent? But I think it's gallery? like, it's come that, that or, or, or are you a dealer? No, like, I know yeah, this, little... I've, 
expertise difference. They, I think also this is a little bit outdated or like an anachronistic way of perceiving that uh, even big galleries do are art dealers because they do secondary market things. Because what is usually an art dealer is someone who does secondary market things sure. without having like any like extra cost. But we all know that even established or even more so the more established the more they have to rely on secondary market no so like in that yeah. sense um i don't want to be like thinking of labels in the sense of dealer or gallerist uh, i think we okay, still well, then we can stay mm -hmm. with gallerist agent mm -hmm. kind of thing so like so so you say you work as an agent or you feel like you work as an agent yeah that i work like so my responsibility is towards my artists to like uh, provide like not only shows with me but uh, foster like relationships with uh, international galleries and uh, maybe place them in, in meaningful connect collections and so basically kind of um, building car a career together no so that sense and they also of course the better they are at like supporting that by like fostering their own kind of social circles like being friends with curators the better no but in in general i would say yeah my 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 job is to uh, make it possible that they don't have to work an extra job no so you're like my dream gallerist like <laughs> yeah. from, from but i'm not saying that i'm like, providing that, that for everybody but well i mean but that but yeah. that model is the the model that artists desire to find in a gallerist yeah. i mean but unfortunately that's not true with every gallery that is on the market i mean a lot of the gallery spaces don't do that extra mm -hmm. work and then some of the you know com more commercial galleries don't really aren't invested in the uh, expansion and, and growth of the career of the artist mm -hmm. they're more just interested in you know paying the rent and getting the sales yeah. which is, it has its place i'm not saying it's a bad thing but what you're talking about that's like you're like the unicorn dancing on a rainbow you're like this i mean this, I, i'm saying thing. this is the this is how i uh, would like it to be or like how it should be but that, that doesn't mean that it's there yet I mean we've been around for three years and as I said the, the artists are mostly like young so also the prices we ask for the artworks are not that high so meaning like really uh, providing like a, uh, let's say to, to be able to live of it it's for us yeah but not all of the artists can 100% like live of that in Austria we are like privileged because we have like so much funding that goes towards the arts but not necessarily me as a commercial space but but for my artists like they have like supports for uh, production uh, pro project uh, film like for instance we are with Kaiba Kovia I, I would not be able to pay 50,000 euros for a film you know so like that's impossible for me mm. so we profit in a second instance and that's of course really good rents are still okay and like social security is good and so that's the advantage, I think, also of running a young gallery here. Even though, like, let, let's say, compared to like the German market, the Austrian market is tiny. You know, it's like really small. Like, in relevance to your artists, do you have a, like a? Do you represent artists? Do you do that sort of a model kind of thing? So, and like, and is there exclusivity as far as a geographical area, time? pieces like wh how, how, what's the case to what's case. the relationship that you build case to case no it's it's, we have, it's all of it's in there like we we, we um representation we don't have like an exclusive contract with with anybody we try we see it more in the way that we think yeah uh, if there is interest like of for instance another gallery uh, somewhere else in europe we are glad to 
share that, you know, because again, for me, it's more important that the, the artist can grow and get bigger. The chance that someone is going to take them out of your hands, it always exists. It's like with the rela any relationship, there is just no secure way of holding some holding on to someone. You cannot. Yeah, like, well, I've it, had if, other gallerists say like like the relationship between a gallerist and a, a, a artist is often like dating, basically. Yeah, so like, you, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is definitely. It has uh, minus the romantic, maybe, but it's like, uh, but even sometimes. I should hope it, but that's very unprofessional. Yeah, you have romantic relationships <laughs> with your artists. Yeah. No. So yeah, that's true. I think it's true. All right. So, you, but now you chose to focus on young. Austrian artists and I have noticed you've done some art fairs uh, most of them in Austria mm -hmm. I think one of them was outside of Austria that was yeah Rotterdam we're gonna do it again in 20 now so it was 2019 the first one and then the second one is in uh, yeah again well, in Rotterdam. So, so the question then would be like your choice of who to represent is very much uh, geographically based yes. how has it has it been easy or difficult to try to um, get them into the international market well uh, I think the choice also first to to have local artists for a local audience was very important so it's a little bit antagonistic to this whole like global thing now that we said okay, we don't have the funds to do all these international art fairs to play on this international level right away. We knew that that's not possible. We saw that there is like a lack of that kind of um, representation or space that would show like these young talents here. So it was like a decision of between pragmatic pragmatism and the kind of uh, also seeing that is a field of interest for us. So I think in a way... Um, this with the fairs it is still so necessary but we believe that for us we didn't never wanted to go to a fair have not having the money up front so like going for the gamble was just not possible because spending fifteen thousand euros and then losing that money and i cannot generate that kind of money so fast so like it's it's it would break our necks too quickly so Therefore, like we were really slow with that. Now it's get picking up. It's going better and better and better. So we're thinking of applying to for Mexico to Material Art Fair, and um, yeah. So maybe like I would say the next step would really be going out of Europe. What? To now, are there, aren't there, from what I understand, there are funds uh, by the government mm -hmm. that assist in basically taking regional artists to international art fairs. Yeah, it's it's also they support you as a gallery, like so also as a business, not only as a as a as an artist. I have not heard anything about this. What are you talking about? <laughs> Here, in all, it's in Austria. I mean, keep in mind, I'm not from Austria, yeah. so like all I know is whatever anybody's willing to share with. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. No, but that's no secret. I mean, it's it's been in place. It feels like a secret. Yeah, because it's it's probably so unique. Uh, everybody's always complaining, and 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 uh, we are in a very privileged position, of course. But still, like. Um, even if it's if half can be taken potentially then with all the political turmoil it wasn't clear how much money there is in this pot and so forth so like it's uh, but still even if you if you consider to to get like half of the money back it's still like going overseas like it costs a lot of money and, oh, yeah. and, and if you don't have an artist that like either your short sells really well or like the prices like even if the booth is sold out I will not be in, in the black numbers you know so like mm. that's problematic yeah that's a difficult i mean the art fairs seem to be becoming more and more and more 
important slash influential mm-hmm. in the ability to connect with the global market. But because it is really true that you just do make a lot of contacts. Like you make, it's the visibility you get in that short amount of time. It is really good. Like mm-hmm. it is, it is, you cannot say worth it because it's, it's difficult to quantify that kind of uh, what is a context worth or what is a, you know, so a sale. Yeah, that is, I can like, well, that just helps your numbers, but does that actually yeah. help your reputation? Yeah, does it and help you make the long-term relationships and connections mm-hmm. that will make it so your your mm-hmm. so not even your artist, but your career can continue for yeah, a long period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely not one of my favorite uh, things or like parts of the of the being a gallerist, but but. I just <laughs> I've never met a single gallerist that said, "You know what I really love about my job? Art it's fairs." Fair. Yeah. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's it it can be very very interesting and it's 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 just I think the pace of it that it's you have to talk to so many people in such a short amount of time. It's it's just a lot also on you as a person like it's basically I don't know like uh, it's no wonder that everybody drinks so much I always feel because it's this decompression time and this year I decided not to drink and that was kind of like I felt like I have post-traumatic stress syndrome I was like laying in bed and couldn't like my I was like closing my eyes and it was just completely flashing like, you know I like, like Xanax yeah what really yeah what this is I cannot I'm like I have no yeah, different <laughs> like, no, yeah. yeah okay personal taste it's yeah fine. So your artists, you, how many artists do you uh, represent? Uh, nine. Okay, that's a good number. It's yeah. not too big. It's manageable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you have a, any sort of mediums or styles that you sort of f- favor when you choose your artists? Mm, well, in terms of uh, programmatically, we have like mostly painting and conceptual art. So I think they're these two... But the majority of it is actually painting. And so in how like to choose the artist, yeah, I mean, it's the this process of like um, looking at someone's work, like meeting with them, doing studio visits ahead, like maybe do a really small show, you know, to or just a group show. To, yeah, yeah, to see how is it collaborating in like in, in, in the setting then and and how is like our audience responding to the to the artist. Um, so it usually before it it comes to an exhibition, we would always had like at least I would say two years of of contact with the artist. I was actually going to ask you that. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, because the the you know, like we said, like it's sort of a dating thing, mm-hmm. and so like you kind of want to do a little research. You kind of want to see test the waters a little bit before mm-hmm. you sort of say like yes I want to be in a relationship yeah and you. then uh, of course as they're so young a lot of times things also change drastically in a short amount of time sure. and, um, not to say that like you can then say you're told you're wrong but it's safe safer for everybody I think not to like rush it because yeah there's still so much Oh, I knew yeah. a gallery in Washington DC that the, the story was now I, this is not proven but this is the story is that the director would find an artist they like and he would like write it in his calendar 10 years later he would potentially pick them up so he would literally follow them for 10 Mm -hmm, years mm -hmm. and if they were doing good work 10 years from when he first thought they were interesting then he would pick them up yeah not before yeah well that's that's long time 10 years yeah, he, he was playing the long game no no joke and, yeah. I mean, but he still runs a gallery he's still doing it he's yeah. been doing it for 60 yeah. some odd years now no, but I think it's always funny is that this field like there is so many people 
from all these different disciplines it's not that like you have to have like this background in art history or like it's it's a lot of uh, galleries come from I'm, I'm horrible with art history yeah. yeah but just saying i think that's that's what also makes it like interesting because it's basically every it's like wild everybody can everybody can do it like it's there is no restriction in that sense right so when you when you go to look at a new art are you still finding new artists seeking new artists at the moment set? not because okay. we are like we're busy with those we have and and i think uh I so said this is a manageable number, but it's already, as I said, as they're so young, there is all this this building up work to do that is very different from, let's say, I would be ready now to take a position that's more established. Right. That would be better, I think, to have another one that starts from starting from scratch. So. Okay. Well, but mm-hmm. I, I find that very interesting, and I and I believe the listeners will as well, because the people who listen to this are everybody from gallerists to curators to artists to mm-hmm. basically people in the industry. So you're. How, what, how, how much sort of work and effort and what are some of the things that you do with young artists that maybe are different than a more established artist? Mm-hmm. In what sense, what we do? Well, what mm-hmm. you, you just said, like, it takes a little bit more time and a little bit more effort to sort of build a career oh, yeah. versus just like taking on somebody who already has a career. Yeah, because there is already like, a, let's say, a sort of following around someone who had more visibility and has been in the game for longer. So like someone who just entered or... Uh, like Sophie Gould who's in it like since let's say done with school since two years like of course demands a different kind of attention from my side as well than like someone who uh, Kaiva Kovic who has been doing it for 10 years so like there is already of course you you work the field differently for each one of them because there is just different uh, needs and also sometimes I also have to establish the context first that I need to then in a second instance uh promote or like uh, kind of um, yeah support the artist in a way that it makes sense for them so that's I think and it's also a learning curve because a lot of times I also have to go and and find or like meet these people that I think could potentially be interest interesting then in some time some you know you're not always know in the beginning it's not that you go out and only meet people that you think are like of benefit to you of course but then it just takes a little time and so yeah and many mistakes too like yeah. you, you'll go out and you'll meet somebody that you think is like oh this person's gonna love this work or this curator will love it want to put it in the show or mm-hmm. whatever and whatever it missed marked mm-hmm. you know, like just it wasn't right mm-hmm. for whatever reason and so like there's a lot of I wouldn't say failure but like a lot of uh, work put in that doesn't yield results yeah 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 yeah, yeah no of course and then it's, I think, in terms of profession, like, I mean, I just, uh, this was, uh, I read this article where they said, like, around 3 to 4% of the artists can actually live off their work. Wow, that's a high number. Yeah, so thinking of that, like, even if you do everything right as an artist, and if you have the personality, you were like the stamina, you have the work, you have everything, it doesn't mean anything. It, is, it, it, it can be that you turn up 50, nothing happened. No, yeah, like you, you could it's, be it's that like, 95% that can't do it. Yeah, yeah. so... But I think it's a very, very um, interesting field to be in because it, it's there is always something new. It, it's never the same. It's every day is different. Every the tasks are different, and and dealing with this, this really sometimes is basically here painting the walls and 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 doing everything and then in the evening you have to go to a gala event so like it's like and then the only thing that really i always say like look at look at the women's fingers and you understand what kind of work they do you know like it's when you have like all the chipped fingernails mm-hmm. and like so paint on it so 
and I like these kind of extremes. I like that it's like has all of that. It's like from 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 a dirty, grimy atelier to like a you know a penthouse somewhere. So like it's 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 nice. So it has like and in between, of course, also. But it's it has these extremes simultaneously, and I think that's very it's good. Keeps it keeps it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're looking at younger artists to pick them up or technically even like any artist, mm -hmm. so like it's, this is not even necessarily about like you representing them or anything like this, but like when you as a person who runs a gallery mm -hmm. looks at an artist, what, what are the, what's the relationship of like, what's the mo I'm not gonna say like most important, but what's the, the percentage of the importance of the quality of the work, the quality of the statement or the concept, and then the, the quality of the person as an artist. Mm, that's also different, difficult to generalize, but I would say like conceptually there is a lot of like, especially in painting, it's not that they always, they're so conceptual, you know? Mm. I think there is of course a lot of things that influence your practice, but it's not necessarily that you always say, I need to have this, some people, some are set up in this way that they need that in order to produce something some others they don't, just don't and maybe sometimes I think it's also nice just when someone can just say I just wanted to paint like a beautiful painting or like I want you know why is that so like horrible to say or like why is that like so frowned upon a lot of times you know please expand like, on that I would love like, to know more uh, about that like this 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 even like the of course and debate what's beauty and for so forth but then um just being like also free in the things that you can do like so that you don't that you don't have to be like so harnessed all the time in in, in different kind of like notions or and i would say like for me it's definitely like it's personality and the quality of the work the the, the content maybe it has to do with because they're younger it i think it needs to grow at some like I am looking forward to what's coming, what's developing further in that realm. But so, like forty percent personality, forty percent art, twenty percent concept. Now, yeah, for, for yeah, young yeah, yeah, yeah. In let's say painting, because then in conceptual art, obviously not like that. That, that I couldn't say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, You're like I, you know, I've made stupid mistakes in my career, and I get it and stuff like there was a time when I, I think I made good art and I was getting good reception and stuff like this and I get, became very arrogant about it. Mm -hmm. I was very self-confident mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. basically shot myself in the foot because then nobody wanted to work with me. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, fuck, that was... But but it took me basically until I started this podcast and mm -hmm. started talking with people to realize, yeah. oh shit, yeah. yeah, I did that to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's like... Uh, this thing with the personality... I'm not so sure because in a way I think sometimes you have me as a gallerist has a good relationship or like with the artist and mm -hmm. they can talk to me but they cannot talk to anybody else no you I, know? I've known artists you know so like this, this that like the gallerist would be like no you can't no the and artist. there's I also this is a thing which I think it's that's also part of that I need to understand where is then the limit what they can do. I will certainly not drag like people to their studio if I know that, that it's basically on a level of uncomfort, like going into your bedroom sort of thing, you know, like where it's or like... Or they drink heavily in their studio uh, when they work Yeah, or that, that can also be, of course, interesting to some people, you know, like sometimes it's, 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 it depends and, and not, not each one of them. Yeah. But this kind of like being able of, to explain and talk um 
I, in the beginning, always thought, yeah, but you should have a minimum of that. I always thought, I came a little bit away from that because I thought, well, if your work is so good, then maybe you don't need to talk at all, or maybe I should talk for you, you know, or like it's not, I don't need to, the, I, I don't want to put you on this again and again in this position to say, yeah, you should say something. You should be able of saying something about your work. No, maybe you also can choose not to, you know, like, or like to. Because, well, I mean, from an artist's perspective, sometimes that feels like you're like being paraded out like a show pony. Yeah. You know, kind of like... Which, of course, also it's true because you also have to be a little bit of a show pony. Like, if you, like, if you can, you know, I think it, it, it helps your cause. Like, like, in a sense, people like, like, it's, 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 if, if it's the press or if it's collectors or everybody likes to have a, a personal contact, whatever, however that might look like, you know, but uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's almost like marketing, no? It's like this. Oh, it's not like, like marketing. Yeah. It, it, it is marketing. marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is actually, I believe, the definition of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when you were starting the gallery. Yeah, so the, we were looking or looking. We knew we wanted to do it for quite some time, but it was always tied to having a space that we could actually afford. And and that your building here is beautiful. Yeah, it's like uh, but it's so it's on the third floor, so like we are not on on, on a street level, which um, of course we're like there is many examples of also very successful galleries who started off like this. Absolutely. And um, for us the decision was literally like of, of financial nature because we knew that we wanted to quit our jobs in the respective other galleries we were working for um, and dedicate like all our time and not because of obviously because of a conflict of interest I couldn't work for another gallery and open up my own gallery at the same time yes that would be a problem yeah so well not necessarily yeah no, well some he, people that do it but you can't do it for long no yeah and like so this this search for like a, an affordable space came when we knew the we know the 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 landlord and landlady of this building and they showed us this apartment i think primarily because they thought we might move in here to live and then i asked Cornelius and said well why don't we just ask them if we can run a gallery from here because they're both they're collectors and like they oh, that's convenient yeah so like they have like a yeah sense for it and and they said right yes right away so we pay like regular rent here but it's 180 square meters um traditional austrian apartment and very ornate and i mean it's it's probably one of the more sort of ornate and historically beautiful places i've been in yeah but it, it, it's quite let's say standard like it's not it, it is in good Wait, shape this, and this taken is care of standard yes yes i mean like in terms of like yeah it's bigger maybe than usual but how it is set up and like it's uh, it's a traditional Viennese apartment and this this um, being located on a third floor actually um, is I think beneficiary in the way that first of all you don't have like this uh, impersonal in and out that you a lot of times have like on the ground floor uh, so here you have to ring a bell, you have to come up and you're coming to this apartment, which is a very in itself intimate setting. So mm. I think the advantage is literally that once someone comes in here, we would talk to them personally because you open the door and just say hello and you offer something to drink. And then we, we get to like talk, I think, on a little bit of a more like personal or deeper level than when it would be like on a or I, how I experienced it like working in a street level gallery oh yeah so. I would imagine I mean working on a street level gallery you're just constantly 
uh, waiting for the next thing that interrupts you. Yeah, and there is like all these people come by, friends, so they're just, oh, just in the neighborhood, yeah. should we drink coffee? And like things like that happen all the time. And, like, or it's, just and, homeless people walking in. Yeah, students. Like, like, yeah, yeah. So like it's, it's uh, and in terms of, of, of uh, let's say, for the business of the gallery, I would say it's better because as you just mentioned, you can concentrate better. You're not so distracted all the time. And, and uh I mean, it will. It probably happens like once a year, if even that someone who just stumbles in that buys something that's just not at least not where we are now. That like someone would just come in and buy. It would be very tough, yeah. I mean, to just stumble up to the third floor. Yeah, but also like kind of the idea that someone who just comes in by chance, like, mm. and then buys something that's very rare. I would say. Like mm. it's well, speaking of that, so you're. Is your collector base uh, more on the younger end or more on the more like the older end? And, I would say or, more and, younger. And, and or which would you like it to be? And no, I think it's, it's always talked about that there is, for instance, in Austria, also there is not a young collector base, which I think is not necessarily true. Um, I have heard stories that people talk about that there is no young collector base. Uh, I mean, of course, again, like if you think of it, that, that, that uh, Vienna, I think a, a third of the Austrian population lives in Vienna. So like uh, almost a third of the Austrian population lives in Vienna. Then, uh, and then if you try to narrow it down to the ones in Austria who collect contemporary art, well, it's, it's just the number gets just small. And that we definitely benefit from from like the all the social media and internet that, that the visibility we get and also people who follow us from abroad and then come here or like uh, they uh, yeah see the see an artist that we represent somewhere else shown and so like i i would say our like when, when we say young is that until 40 and then from 40 it's it's older or like all right, I'm, 40, huh? I'm 46. Yeah, right. no, I'm I would older. say, I would say, I would say. I'm no longer young. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would say that like probably like they're, yeah, the majority is is until 40 and then there is a minority that's like above 40. All right. <laughs> what is this? Unicorn. <laughs> Fine, I'm no longer part of the young art movement. I'm now an old art movement. <laughs> It's okay. I don't care. I, I know this. But um so your so your collector base is more is a, you're saying is let's say like say slightly slightly more on the younger side yeah. than on the older side. Yes, I would say so. Well it's good to hear. Yeah. I mean that's one of the things like I always wonder is like yeah, I've met with like museum people and things like this and we always talk about like, you know, are younger people coming mm -hmm. to the museums? Mm -hmm. Are they engaging? Are they mm -hmm. paying? Are they supporting? Whatever mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so like part of that is also like are younger people buying yeah. artwork? Um, so yeah. always of interest. I mean, we think we, we, we also accommodate like if someone has difficulties, say if I have the impression that someone really wants to have a piece of art that they cannot afford to pay at once then we always do like offer installments or kind of like even like pay them pay like like 100 euros for like a year or like or two years or like whatever you know so like they kind of i usually ask them to make a payment plan and say okay what what can you do and and because for me it's important that like the the work actually then ends up between someone that really wants it you know instead of like just so yeah I love that. That's great. I mean, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, there's, I find that younger galleries 
often mention installment plans. Mm-hmm. More established galleries don't mention them. Yeah. But, but then when they, I talk, they, but they must do it too. Like yeah, but when then I talk with them when we're not recording, they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll do installment plans." I'm like, "Why don't you say that publicly? Mm. Like they won't say it publicly that they'll do yeah, it." Yeah, but because they're probably like I don't know, like they could they, it could be offensive to to a client of theirs that they are not like. I mean, even people with like this this when you have a lot of money, sometimes it doesn't mean that you have the cash flow. You can be rich but have not a lot of cash no like or like not yeah so not be liquid yeah yes. liquid you know so yeah i mean i've heard stories about like the big stuff like uh, being transacted from trades of mm-hmm. artwork mm-hmm. instead of cash or, or even property mm-hmm. for a piece of art kind mm-hmm. of like you know equivalent but that's value. also i think amazing in there that's what i think one of the aspects i love so much that you can actually trade like that, that literally trading is is i think such a nice aspect like i saw it i think first amongst the artists that they when they like each other they trade artworks yeah that's how i got my yeah, collection or like we do a lot of like corporations um with like um they say uh one is a manufacturer like so he produces vodka the other one like where you say okay we waive our um how are you saying like the fee our fee and and the artist gets the money and and the producer gets like the artwork and we get vodka and for the gallery instead or things like that so like and minute, and that wait, goes wait. for chairs that goes for like designers hold on a second you serve vodka at your openings yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay just just getting that clear <laughs> bold choice yeah well you have to uh know how to dose it so that uh no, no more open bars. But it, but it is smart because it uh, doesn't stain. Yeah. So, like, so that's doesn't good. Doesn't smell like. Not really. No, yeah. I mean, it smells like cleanish. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Why the choice? Because you found a sponsor, basically. Yeah, yeah. Trade. Because we know the guy who makes it, and and he's in, into he's into art, and then uh, he does it with a couple of galleries. It's not just us. So okay. Like it's it's, it's uh, the first time I've ever yeah, heard of it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could imagine if I was a younger artist and I had gone to openings where they were serving vodka, like that would have been horrendous. Yeah, no, it does. It, it, sometimes it's, it's, you may, you, you learn the lesson. Like once we had that and it was like a kindergarten here. Like I was like, basically there was like people playing with the light switches. One was like, and it's, so this is a bucket. It's a wooden floor. So like he would uh, use his skateboard to like go around the, the apartment, Destroying you know, it's like, the yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, and then I realized, yeah, okay, this is uh, the amount that goes out serving f- to like the audience needs to be uh, smaller. Yes, moderated, much, much smaller. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, because like I that would have been horrible yeah. for me. I don't even know where this originated because like, lately, like I've been also like sometimes upset because I thought people get so pushy about the drinks where I'm like. You know, like last time I was like, I was a little bit rude to one of the visitors because I said, well, if you like really want that kind of service, you have to go to a bar. Like, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is not, I do this as a nice gesture. I don't have to, you know, like it's like, it literally, yeah, maybe I have to because it's, but that's why. I don't know why is it like in, in, for instance, in New York, like I know that there is no, there is nothing. Literally, you don't, a lot of times you don't get anything. Really? Really, not even a water. 
Yeah. I haven't been to New York in decades. So yeah, like, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I was just about to ask, like, where did that tradition of serving I wine have no idea. whatever else? I, I mean, I know. understand that it's like a lot of times it has to do with like this social frontier. There is, of course, a big tradition of drinking because it's embedded in the culture. Like you living in Prague, you must know they also drink like crazy. So like. I grew up in Washington, D.C. They drink like crazy there, too. <laughs> but the, the, well, but I mean, but. Like I, I used to work at a gallery, and we actually had this guy came in, he had the opening. We were serving alcohol, uh, wine, and and he ended up buying this piece that he really fell in love with, and then came back the next morning and was like, "Yeah, I was a bit drunk last night. Can I return that?" Oh God, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so like there is a limit to it. You, yeah. you gotta hold off a little bit, yeah. you know, because like you can't. There is a line, but I, but I also find, and I find it interesting, like a gallery will say like, okay, the opening is from six to 10, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say they said, okay, but well, we ran out of alcohol at eight, mm-hmm. dead. Everybody leaves at eight. Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. moment you are out of food and or yeah, alcohol, yeah, yeah. everybody leaves. Mm-hmm. Like nobody. Yeah. Stays. But again, like Why? in terms of, in terms of what kind of importance it does have, it is, it is a way of advertising what's going on in the gallery like to have an opening to generate pictures to like make portfolios to send these things out to like interested parties so forth but the opening in itself is the celebration of like let's say the artist that they've managed to put it together no mm-hmm. like to say in, in a very easy way but then not more than that it's usually not it's not like back in the days where you would have uh, like previews where the collectors would come and you know that like uh, each time one of those collectors buys something of you because that's just how it was like it, that's not the case anymore like having even collectors who come back to buy the same artist again it's rare like it's 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 and it's more of an ex- exception people are or at least in my experience, are way more eclectic in their kind of choices. They're not so big. I always remember there was always this kind of, you had a focus, like saying uh, this certain artist or like this, I don't know, something. I only collect pop art from the 60s in America. like Prince, I don't know, something, you know, but then it, I Photography. Feel, yeah, I feel it's it's not, that's not so much the case anymore. Okay, so the collectors are getting more diverse in yeah. their collecting. Yeah, that's good to hear. I, I like think that. it's yeah, me too. I think I mean, and then it's of course you don't have this. Um, sometimes it seems a little bit difficult to to focus your like how do you like because you have this feeling that even if you keep people updated, they 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 might just never come back, you know, like or something like that. But I think it's I'm not long enough in my own like business to know that like I'm not uh, there is people coming back for sure but it's more of an exception like well, I mean and that's that's one of my personal issues like I mean don't get me wrong this is like literally a personal issue mm-hmm. like I don't keep friends very much like you know I keep moving and mm-hmm. I, I, literally, I literally move from you know continent to continent mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I don't keep friends very well it's really hard to build and nourish and continue these any of these relationships Mm. it doesn't matter collector curator institution whatever Mm -hmm. like that process of doing it i'm always a little um i I don't understand like how to do it right Mm -hmm. you know like because there on the one hand you can basically not keep in touch 
enough and they forget you Mm -hmm. but on the other hand you can be really annoying and they never want to hear from Mm. you again because you keep in touch too much Mm. so like what have you found for yourself like a balance of like how much to keep in touch with patrons or or maybe a a vehicle for it like so is social media what you've chosen to do or do you do like newsletter emails or like what what kind of all (laughs) yeah i mean not over like always i think it's very important not to like I feel easily bothered like myself by like uh, newsletters and so forth. So I'm really made a point of doing that really singularly just for openings and like maybe two newsletters a year where everything is like compressed in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, social media. Yes. But then um, I think a lot of times it's, it's risk reciprocated or in the sense that sometimes they come back to you so like it's not necessary that you always have to have this feeling that you have to run after I think always when you have the feeling that you have to run after someone then it's already a little bit a lost cause because like then sometimes I mean of course there's people who like that like who like to be like chased yeah or like makes them feel powerful yeah but um, also not I think it's it's I, I feel there is still so many new people coming in all the time that like I don't have necessarily this feeling that like constantly to work on the same ones because then obviously for each like if this show that we have now there's a certain following for that and then I can let's say more trying to get in touch with them or like say okay let's do a studio visit or let's do things that are correlating with what's happening in the gallery now so like it's always a little bit uh, yeah connected to the program I would say you don't you don't you don't try to keep in touch with all the people all year round like you do it yeah. no I, I think like the idea of just using social media and maybe doing two newsletters a year kind of thing I think that's more than enough because yeah. like there's a there's also a web page there is like you know you can like if you want to well see but that's a difference because there's a certain amount of like social media and like let's say these like email newsletters kind of things like they are given to people they, like they, people can access them mm-hmm. whereas like websites like people have to actively mm-hmm. think to go to mm-hmm. them and so they're a little bit of a different amount of effort mm-hmm. on the, on the, the yeah. viewers yeah. sides so like to a certain extent you want to try to sort of put yourself in front of these people but not annoying mm, yeah yeah no for sure <laughs> like, yeah because yeah. like i mean i i can't like i'll go to instagram and like there's this one gallery in london i'm not gonna mention who it is but there's this gallery that i swear to god they post like five times a day and there they like also, fill up my feed there's like, also some people i don't understand like they don't they don't get it that you can just not like clog feeds like what is that like what are you it's so annoying like it's, an, it's a, especially when people are new to instagram and they come and then they post like i don't know 50 images and you're like dude like i want to unfollow you now like it's just it's but then usually it gets better. It's just at the beginning. I think it's the excitement. But in this case, I don't know with this gallery what they... They just, they just post so much stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had that much work, I mm. probably would be posting that much also. But yeah. like, my God, it's just... But it fills up my feed. And like yeah. to the point where I'm sort of like, I think I just want to get rid of them like because they're just annoying to mm. me. Social media. Do you use it? How much do you use it? Does it garner any like what results are you looking for when you use it and does it do that for you Hmm. i have to be honest i'm not um the one who's in charge of the social media account here so uh most of the time cornelius is it's uh 
doing that. So I think it's the, the visibility of, of, of course, content that would usually not be so visible, like for a gallery, like, like um, setting up things or like packaging or like kind of like there could be anything that is like related to like the everyday life I think it's of the gallery I so think. you so you focus more on doing like the behind the scenes the I think we, a lot of times we do that yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 uh I think it's a personal it's a personal like view on like the work that we do so more, more personal view so like it's not as smooth and 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 give your mother an opportunity to know what you do all day yeah or... sort of thing yeah, yeah. Okay. so it's that it becomes a little bit more relatable and then of course it's yeah being aware of like if you have like your saved hashtags that you see okay uh, who is tagging who and like in what kind of other platforms and then of course you see that sometimes i mean one of our artists has around fifty thousand followers so like there, there is definitely a difference in perception when he posts something that uh is somewhat tied to the gallery how many people then respond to that it's quite impressive actually like so for us i think also instagram has been quite a quite a source of income yeah, I recently was talking with somebody and I real and through my stupidity, of course, because you know, wise fool, that I realized that social media is not about you posting things. It's about other people connecting like mm-hmm. like reposting you mm-hmm. or or linking to you or or um, hashtagging yeah. you or whatever. It's not about your what you the content you put mm-hmm. on, but it's about what content gets Yeah, there is further. also as you say, like a culture of sharing things from somebody else, no? So like yeah. this kind of reposting, and then the differentiation between a story and something that's permanently on your feet, you know? I have no so like idea. This, Please, yeah, what, what like the story, it's something that is like it disappears after twenty-four hours. So it's like it can be like also like you do movies or like you can put text or things that are like, uh, and you have more control over that in the sense that you can see how many people saw it, like there is all the stats to it. So like oh, it's, it's, I didn't know yeah, that. And then do you see, okay, do people like uh, watch the second clip or do they click away or like all these kind of, this kind of information that I'm sure like some data mining, like they, they, they can really do something with it. We I love just data like, mining. It's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I think for us, it's, 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 yeah, of course you look at that, you look at these numbers, but then... Well, but you can tailor like times like, well, like, cause if you notice that people watch videos more than they, or like longer mm-hmm. than X amount of time mm-hmm. or, or that they spend more time on an image that you put some descriptive mm-hmm. text on, like yeah, you, you can yeah. start to tailor yeah, to yeah, what people seem to like yeah, yeah. from yeah. you. That's not to say they like yeah. it from everybody, but like everybody's feed and use of it is unique, unfortunately. Of course, yeah, yeah. So like sadly there is no like handbook to how to do it right yeah i don't know there's all these people who make like, these courses where i'm always like what but are just... you teaching there like what are you it's like uh, uh, what i think is a little bit sad about this or sad like it's it's that it just misses the whole culture like even facebook was more critical than instagram instagram doesn't have like any sort of very little criticism so i think in general the idea that there is so little criticism criticism if you read the papers or if you even like uh, magazines that are concerned like with uh, reviews show reviews it's it's rarely ever really critical it's usually a description of things with some notes or thoughts that can link to that but it's it doesn't give any kind of 
judgment or value to it. So like, I think that's... Wouldn't it be very interesting to find a magazine, an art magazine that is only bad reviews? Yeah. <laughs> like, so where people are actually critical. I mean, bad, critical and bad are not the same, yeah. I know. But like, but like only critical reviews mm-hmm. and, and critical in a negative way, let's mm-hmm. say. So like basically not a single positive with your flowery, like, oh, this is very much like the blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, great thing kind of like... It, the, the, because like I, I never hear it. I mean, it, you know, the social medias ha, have created a culture of positive feedback because the only thing they offer are thumbs up and likes. There's no thumbs down and dislikes. So literally, there's yeah. there's no way to say give critical feedback without taking the time yeah, to like, but type it's also, something in. It is also a little bit of a sign of our time that there is no real. Uh, also, sometimes I feel desire, like or like um, openness for critique. That you feel a younger generation. A lot of times, I feel like there there is a sense of entitlement in the sense that, uh, yeah, that because critic being it, it's something that you have to learn, like, like being accepting yeah. criticism or like the kind of like idea. Like I speak with people who teach the, not only on art universities, and they tell me a lot of times you have like this issue that. Uh, you are like remotely critical to a student. The student gets all upset and says, "Well, you're not allowed. Basically, almost not allowed. I pay for your job, so like you're not allowed to criticize me or oh, things like that." I so, actually left a teaching job because, well, no, I didn't leave. I was I was not renewed by mm-hmm. my boss because my because the students didn't like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like literally, that was what the my mm-hmm. employer told me. My students didn't like me. Mm-hmm. I was unaware that. Being a teacher was necessitated to being liked. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. that is of mm-hmm. the utmost importance, and this is part of why like I'm sort of trying to distance myself from mm. academia mm-hmm. because it has turned into this industry yeah. of teachers have to be liked yeah, more than yeah, they yeah. have to be capable of teaching mm. or inspire mm. or mm. push. Like because you can't even push a student because they if they feel like they they've somehow been dismissed or, or you know offended or whatever mm. that the teacher then gets in trouble and could potentially like get fired for mm-hmm, these kinds mm-hmm, of things and i'm mm-hmm. just like i want nothing to do with that anymore like that's ridiculous so like so I, yeah this idea of this podcast is a little bit more freeing mm. like i get to do the same thing yeah. i get to like learn things i get to share things i get to do the same kind of role yeah. as a teacher yeah, yeah yeah but without having to like worry about mm. a boss firing me <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> so yeah except i still do teach online but you know that's different yeah not so much contact yeah i do i teach online for an american university and live in prague yeah so i get a paid an american salary yeah but i get to live in the cost of living in prague setup it is nice setup (laughs) yeah and i can do it on the train like while i'm coming here yeah it's very lovely so good yeah. yeah all right last two questions yeah these are two questions i ask everybody so from your experiences, understanding you're a little newish to the mm-hmm. industry and all this, but like from your experiences, do you have anything sort of advice to other people who might want to get into the gallery industry? Um, but particularly what I'm always looking for, which nobody likes to share for mm-hmm. some reason, is problems, like things that you did not foresee or you didn't know until you suddenly did it and then you're like, oh shit, I should have known. Yeah, I, I think what was really important for me at least i was always a freelancer before and so i was never employed like so i all 
with the taxes and all these things, I had to be somewhat aware, but I was had this, always had an accountant and I was always a little bit, yeah, I was saving all these receipts and then I would send it away and like a little bit like praying superstitionally, like, I don't know, thinking, oh, hopefully it's not going to be that bad and then closing both eyes and then, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work somehow. That kind of thing that I realized once we started our really own business also where other people were depending or somewhat depending on me. I did like a two-day workshop, which is from the Wirtschaftsagentur in Wien, which is um, basically funded by the European Union. You do each six hours a day is like going to school and they give you like basics of like the tech system, like the whole kind of... So now that I'm going to my accountant, she's like happy to see me because she knows she can talk to me and I have like... A working knowledge. Yeah, and yeah. I can... Um, like make this informed decisions like when I read things that uh, they're not so abstract to me anymore like I can also know like where where to find out about it or like where then so that I think was a very important aspect for me I think the, the running the business thing is is something that at least coming from the creative field wasn't I wasn't so skilled or like I didn't have any like uh, yeah knowledge that would really help me with that well so. now your partner is a comes from an architecture background mm -hmm. also i believe mm -hmm. you both study mm -hmm. architecture mm -hmm. right so yeah. like, so did, does he sort of balance you with some some of this stuff no so we kind of divided that we literally divided that up that i, I strangely enough because i always thought i'm bad with numbers turns out i'm not so like i'm like a lot of things that uh, or like in the social like he became more like this pr person that I always thought like I'm really good at that. I am, but I, I dislike it. Ooh, dislike it. So um, a lot of times I think you kind of over um, think or rethink your own kind of perception of yourself, and then while working you figure out that like actually there is a different uh, things that you're good at that you like doing. In fact, that you before maybe out of ignorance or fear you just didn't approach it so, or lack of practice. Yeah, too. Yeah. So I think that that was would be something that I. And then it's really get experience ahead a little bit, like in, in the terms of like work for another gallery, work for work with artists, do put up shows so to understand the working mechanics, the basic working mechanics of what it is. And then from there, of course, you can build your own. But and, yeah, uh, learn how to use power tools so that you can do some of your own work so you yes. don't have to hire too many people to yes, do all this stuff. Of course. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then this kind of i think that, that this trusting your instinct in things that when you're younger it is sometimes difficult that was a little bit i think also an advantage because we were like 36 and 38 when we started it so not so super young that you have like a little bit i think a better knowledge of how to deal with people and understand with who can you work and who not without being necessarily um like judgmental or superficial in the sense but saying okay i have to trust my instinct that sometimes I have a bad feeling and and it's okay and I will just not do it even if it looks like a good opportunity in the first place but that's something that I think you have to but only by experience sometimes everybody always says that but uh, you have to experience this and then you will be much happier <laughs> along the line than when you they can read blink by Mal Malcolm Gladwell to help them to learn how to like read people better yeah 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 all right, last question. Mm -hmm. Probably the most random question you're going to hear of this whole thing because we haven't really sort of touched on a lot of this stuff. So yeah. the long-term project of this podcast is basically to try to find out how to 
uh, create a sustainable living for artists and people in the arts industry, mm-hmm. basically. So, like, you know, all theoretically, all the knowledge that'll be gained by all the conversations I'll have over the hopefully the next you know many years yeah. will make it so that people can make a living. All yeah. all people, yeah. artists, and so on up. Mm-hmm. I'm an artist, so I'm just going to use myself as a proxy mm-hmm. for the listeners. And what I've chosen to do is I've chosen to create a short-term, quantifiable goal. Mm-hmm where I would like to try to get a piece of my artwork mm-hmm. on exhibition mm-hmm. in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. D- that's, your, that's your goal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even say it with a straight face yeah. anymore. Uh, yeah, but it's, well, it, it's a thing where I'm trying to basically, I'm going to keep everybody involved. I will actually record little podcasts mm-hmm. you know, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. basically keeping everybody like, okay, I talked to these people. Mm-hmm. This is the progress of this. This mm-hmm. is what I tried. This failed. Like I'm literally going to you know, keep everybody involved in the whole yeah. process because I think that's something people don't hear. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they, I want them to hear all the failures I'm going to go through, all mm-hmm. the nervousness, the self-consciousness, like all the things I'm yeah, going to go yeah, through. Yeah. Like I'm going to be open about all of it. It'll all be included. Um, but what I'm looking for is some advice, not, I don't need like somebody's phone number or email, but like, how should an artist sort of put their career on a track to get, to be able to get to the point of understanding the art market well enough to be able to get to a point of having an exhibition in a you know successful international venue. So I mean, it could be Tate Modern, it could be any other. Shows, because, just doing I, shows, I, I, as many shows as you can. Okay. I think that's, I always say the same. I think that this question comes often and I feel it's a very relevant in the sense that you need to understand your own kind of way of like how you operate, how you, how can you operate, how you want to operate, with whom can you deal with, whom can you not, uh, visibility so that the other people see your work, um, uh, trying to like meet as many people that are in potentially interested or interesting to you so that that you could like communicate your own like what your practice is about and like I think it's a very um I mean I think some people can very can be very systematic I was never like that kind of like driven persona that think oh this is what I'm putting my head or my mind to and that's where it's gonna go or something like that so it's not so I would say yeah doing shows um is very important and um uh, if you really want to get in a connection in a collection of the MoMA, just uh, what a lot of times what I've heard what they do is like gifting one uh, artwork to the to the person uh, in the board and then eventually bribe them or like with that kind of like, basically it's a bribe yeah like so well actually I, no I've heard this I've had other advice of basically like try to find the youngest person on the board mm-hmm. who potentially is the most mm-hmm. contemporary mm-hmm. collector mm-hmm. And then try to find out who their curator is yeah. that curates their collection yeah, yeah. and sort of try to get through in that direction, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very interesting thought. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, no. That's but how, how it often happens. And I think it's not, there is nothing bad about it. I don't know if sometimes it's, it's, it's a, such a, why not? Like it's just a human thing to do, to ask someone to do something in exchange for something else. Like it's not. Well, it's like, literally everything. Yeah. Right? So like, I don't know why this is always like, oh, I just say that. But, um, yeah, that would be that would be an option. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I said, like the because you know a podcast is an intangible. Mm-hmm. Like conversations are intangible; they don't necessarily mm-hmm. see results. So the the idea is that I'm trying to make it so that I can be able to theoretically show the people who are listening, like 
Yeah, you can learn these things. Yeah. You, you like, they, they can be learned mm. through experiences, through relationships, whatever, you know, mm. it's necessary. These goals that people have set, like, so I set this arbitrary goal. But, like, anybody can set any goal in the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, you could set a goal of, like, hey, I want I want one of my artists to be, you know, have a solo exhibition at Tate Modern, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, kind of like, mm -hmm. so, so you can do that. So, like, mm -hmm. how do you get, like, how do you put their career on that mm -hmm. track so that you have a, a, a guest student, an artist that you represent doing, basically doing the same thing? Yeah. I mean, that's still, like, we, we managed to, to place, like, uh, some works in, like, really good collections. But then it's, again, it's like this, there was usually a much longer relationship ahead that we had with some people from this museum or, like, some kind of, like, so it, it is always, it's, it's, it's really a time thing. Like, it's, I think it, there is just no way of rushing that at all like you cannot you have to sit it out basically you have to sit it out and contact with Deutsch segment the steht der Tropfen höhlt den Stein which means like the, okay, co the like, constant are you aware you're not speaking English <laughs> the constant drop kind of makes the hole in the in the stone no so like the mm. kind of it's just a very um, yeah it's I mean the arts is a long game it's not a, mm. an immediate thing it's yeah. not a flash in the pan it's not And yeah, I mean, you you have to be able and willing to do it for basically like you know decades. Yeah, not forever. To do it well. I think because like it's it's really this kind of like retiring as an also as an artist like you think of your career as like really really long because potentially you also like what you're doing so like you might have not to stop at all like unless you really think uh, you don't want to do it in the like in the first place anymore but I think in kind of like I think the thought of it that it's actually something that goes like as long as you can you know so I expect to die yeah. in my studio yeah so <laughs> it's like yeah isn't that it's a nice comforting vision I think it's not, I like it it's like better than like dropping that at some desk no that's like, right so absolutely like, or, or dropping desk in some like retirement home or whatever yeah. like like I don't totally. do that I want to be I want to yeah. be working yeah. I want to be making yeah. stuff <laughs> Why life is short. Come yeah. on, use it up. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for thank your time. Thank you so much. It was really nice. Thanks. <laughs>